0: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Igor Kepetz, who is the author of List Building Lifestyle, Confessions of an Email Millionaire. He's the world's number one e-farmer. He'll have to explain a little bit more about what that means. And he is also the host of the List Building Lifestyle show, which is a podcast that he hosts. Igor, how are you
1: doing? Doing great, man. Great to be here.
0: Of course, yeah. It is great to have you, and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great.
1: Well, I'm an entrepreneur. I work from home, and uh, I've got a problem. Uh, I always think about my work. So to get me distracted from work, you you really have to pull me in. And a uh, couple of things are still capable of doing that. One is my kids. Mm-hmm. So they, they really... If they're at home, I can't get anything done. So I might as well stop trying and just spend time with them. Actually, as you know, this is my home office, but to the right of me, you can see this on the floor. I've got a three story boutique hotel uh, made out of Lego blocks with the last floor still incomplete under construction because that's where my daughter chooses to put it together. I'll actually show you the big box. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is yeah, so awesome. so awesome. this is the hotel she's putting together. It's right there um on the carpet to the right. Uh yeah, and it's right next to a huge stack of what we what we call swipe files in direct response marketing. And just a huge, you know, stack of winning direct mail promotions and stuff like that that I uh, got recently so i'm i'm really into what i do but obviously my kids are there another passion of mine is video games but it's it's a bit of an off and on because you know video games aren't really recommended in terms of dopamine they really kind of uh, play with your brain and i'm really subjective i was a gamer growing up i pretty much gamed 24/7 i was really socially awkward i was the the fat kid in the glasses so i find I found refuge in video games. I built a community. I felt like a like a part of it. And so it kind of transferred into my adult years as well. And uh, but But the problem with being a parent, a business owner, and a gamer is that you can't possibly justify the gaming because everything <laughs> else takes time too. So you can only really do it if you stay up really, really late and play into the wee hours of the morning. But then it, it sort of everything else it has a domino effect and you don't sleep well, you don't, you know, produce well, you don't perform well, you get irritated. And then I start hating on myself mm-hmm. for being, you know, a very short tempered and, you know, eventually the gaming, gaming has to go. And so I'm in my 20th round of, you know, PlayStation came out of the closet, you know, set it up on this desk in front of this big screen. Then a month later, gave up put it back in the closet until the next time i'm gonna pull it out
0: i gotcha i gotcha yeah that's really fun what games do you like to play just curious
1: um i really like first person shooters like uh Warzone, for example or there's another one that i really like it's called world war three it's uh, out of uh, free beta it's uh, finally you know it's been released and i highly recommend if you like some first person shooting great gunplay amazing graphics is actually created by by a bunch of folks in from poland nope. they've done an amazing job and um the other is fifa i'm a huge soccer fan as you can see behind me there are some jerseys um so fifa i, I can be playing fifa for hours on end and uh just nonstop. like you literally have to pull me away it's, <laughs> it's that bad
0: yeah, absolutely. Okay. well, in the beginning you talked a little bit about the fact that you were the fat kid with the glasses who were socially awkward and you didn't have a lot of um community. and so you found that in your gaming. But when I well, let at me paraphrase
1: app, that, I had the community. I was you know, I was a high school kid just like everybody else, but I hated it. I hated the community that was high school. And you know kids were mean. Oh yeah. my God, yeah. they were so mean back in the day.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But when I look at you now, I would have never guessed that that was who you are. So tell me about the transformation that you went through and kind of what made the shift that started all the discipline and consistency that made you into this self-made millionaire that looks very fit, young, and not um, socially awkward. You look like you're a very social person.
1: Yeah, I, I did become that. Um, as as a result of um, kind of getting out in the world, building up my self-confidence, going to seminars, meeting people in my industry, and eventually, of course, doing a lot of uh, public speaking through the means of my YouTube channel, the podcast, webinars that we do, media appearances of all kinds, speaking from stage. And it just, it it was a skill that I had to develop. I didn't have it going in. Um, What really changed things for me was, at one point, I stumbled into, I was browsing the internet, uh, back in the day i used to go on these so i'm i'm i was born in ukraine to a russian family to a russian jewish family so 100 percent jewish born in ukraine my native language is russian and uh when i was bored as a kid after I've, I've done you know i was done gaming um i basically went on browsing the internet i couldn't fall asleep i had this issue where There was something in me. Um, Maybe it was the start of a depression. Maybe it was just my own, me me getting to my own head, but I couldn't fall asleep. Like I could, you know, literally in the summer break as a teenager, I wouldn't sleep. I would like play with Photoshop, browse the internet, play video games of the servers, if the servers had any people in them. But, you know, I remember one night I was browsing one of these joke sites where, you know, you would basically see. Couple of things, jokes, memes, uh naked women, which was very big on the internet back in the day. I'm not sure what the kids are doing these days, but you know, we, we used to love it. Um, and and the third thing, all kinds of weird stuff that didn't fit into anything else. So I stumble into an embedded video from YouTube about something called the secret. Oh, yeah. And I was like, What is the secret? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it starts out with these beautiful gold letters, be like. You know anyone who's who was successful in the history of anything knew this and da Vinci knew this and and this guy knew this and and Ralph Waldo Emerson said this and that it's like what there's a secret so I I watched the movie right the movie yeah, The right. secret yeah uh by by uh, I think Rhonda Byrne. Or burns it, or burns yeah so I'll watch it uh, obviously, it was it was literally based on the book word for word. And there's people like Bob Proctor and Joe Vitale and uh, a bunch of people, Le- uh, Le- Lisa Nichols, John Asaraf Now, incidentally, this year I hosted Joe Vitale and John Asaraf Re- on my podcast, which is it was just really funny. But back in the day, to me, those were like they were so distant. It's like they were on a different planet. You know, Joe Vitale had the story of him living in the box or something or sleeping on the bench and then becoming a multimillionaire. Right. Um, So I watched that and I was like, wow. So you can actually be successful. You can, you can be not a loser. You know, you you can, you can make something out of yourself. You just have to have the secret. And, you know, the way I interpreted the movie back then was if I just think long enough and if I just focus on the positive stuff long enough, it's going to happen. Fast forward a couple of years later, nothing happened. I'm still a loser, uh, but I, I I still have this firm belief that I can change my life. And I continue looking out for information about it. And um, I uh, come across the name Tony Robbins. I don't recall exactly how I came across the name, but I do recall going on Pirate Bay which is a huge torrent website. Torrent is basically where you can download things for free that you otherwise have to pay money for. So back in the day, if you want to download music, movies, uh, games, you you go and you go to Pirate Bay. That was the, that was the place to go, right? I'm not advocating for Pirate Bay, by the way. I don't know if it still exists. Piracy and this, is
0: not a victimless crime.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm not advocating piracy, but I'm you know back in the day, anyone who I knew was doing it. That's how we got access to stuff. Everybody. Um, yeah, so I go on Pirate Bay and I look up Tony Robbins and I download the Personal Power 2 uh, cassette tape set that somebody actually put on an MP3 file and kind of broke it down. So there was like 24 or something MP3 files. Each one is a lesson. And I start listening to Tony Robbins. I didn't finish the program, but I listened to maybe 12 sessions. And um, that included a goal-setting session, that included um, – um, the one where you kind of twist your arm to see how far you can reach, and then you do it again and you reach further. Uh, I did one where he does the trick with the colors where he says, Okay, look around the room and find everything that's brown. Now close your eyes. Now open your eyes and tell me everything that's red. You know, and, and basically, the point being is that whatever you tell your brain to focus on, that's what the brain focuses on. And if you don't tell it, can't even see it. So you can't remember how many things in, the, in your room were red. Um, and then the final one that actually had a huge impact on me, I think by far the most impactful thing at the time was the Dickens exercise. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. So, the, do you know the story of Scrooge, the guy who was like really mean to people? And then three ghosts showed up the, the Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. Yep. Everybody knows the story, right? So, the Dickens exercise. So, Charles Dickens wrote the story. That's like, you know, his story and um he was pretty famous back in the day and so you do the same thing for yourself but about your life so you pick on one issue that bothers you which at the time for me was i was fat and i felt that every problem in my life was because you know originated in the fact that i was fat that was my belief so you take on this problem and you and you basically go back in time and you write down five things that are terrible absolutely terrible about having this problem. Then you move to the present and uh, you write down five things in the present that are absolutely terrible about having this problem. And then you write about the future and you write down maybe 10, 20 years into the future what my life will look like if I don't fix this problem, five things. And you really future pace a ridiculous, terrible, terrible life for yourself. You really like, Uh, blow it up. You know what I mean? Like if I was like uh, 10 pounds overweight and that was bothering me, then blow it up into being 50 or a hundred pounds overweight. And really what that means, you know, having to look in the mirror to see your penis or not being able to, to fit into clothes or, or whatever, having to shop in a, in a, in a store with special sizes, you know, how embarrassing that would be. So I go through that exercise and it's just, Knocks me out of it real quick. I get my stuff together and uh, I start jogging. I cut off all soda. I cut off sugar. I basically switch to eating pretty much eggs, tuna, maybe spaghetti, uh, but uh, no ketchup. I start looking at the labels. I start, I start paying attention to the calorie count. I didn't count calorie by calorie like down to the you know nitty gritty, but I basically cut off so much from my diet, so much sugar in any possible form that I start losing weight very quickly. And within maybe two or three months, I lost 15 or 20 pounds. So I go from being like this fat kid to being a normal looking, fairly fit type of guy. Not, not, not muscular, but all right. And I look in the mirror and, and for the first time in many, many years, I like what I see. And so that was probably the first time ever that i set on this journey of self development where i said you know what enough is enough you know i i couldn't look at you know couldn't look myself in the mirror like if i was buck naked in front of a mirror i hated what i saw i would turn away and what's really interesting i couldn't look myself in the eyes mm-hmm and and really sustain sustain the this experience like it was embarrassing for me to look at myself i hated myself so much that i couldn't look at myself so naturally if i didn't love myself no one around me did so that's how i decided to 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 change that and you know lo and behold as soon as i lost weight i gained more confidence all of a sudden i'm a lot more social all of a sudden i'm a lot more fun to be around so i i gain more friends i start going out all of a sudden, because I'm going out more, guess what happens? I find my first girlfriend. She puts the, her first, you know, icky on me. I go uh, to uh, uh, to what's it called? It's like secondary school, like not secondary school, but it's like when you graduate college? school. Yeah, it's not quite college because I was go I was attending a, an Israeli Air Force um, academy, but I graduated the the twelve year program and I had two more years to go, which like extra. So in the 13th year, that's when I finally um, kind of started living a normal life, if you will. And um, I really felt like, wow, I'm moving up in the world, you know? So it was the first time in my life I felt a sense of control, a sense of confidence. You know, my self-image kind of rose a little bit. I still kind of felt that I was a loser, but now I was going places. So uh, that that just felt so, so good.
0: Mm, I love it. I love the story of like finding the secret. Years passed, nothing happened. You stumbled across Tony Robbins, then you lost this weight. And from the losing weight, you got this confidence that just rippled into other areas of your life. That is just such a, I feel like for a lot of people, it starts with simple stuff like the gym or like a diet or something that's like, I think when a lot of people think of success, they think of money and they think of the six pack. And sometimes they'll think of girls on the beach or something like that. But it's like, it starts in the nitty gritty, cutting the sugar out, the diet, being consistent with that. So I really like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, you know, I still don't have a six pack. I, I do have a million dollars, but I don't have a six pack. And I wouldn't necessarily like when I get out of the house, no one recognizes me. No one runs up to me asking for an autograph. Um But it does start from the, from the, from the tiny stuff, from these tiny little steps, because you start gaining a sense of control over your life and i think people who aren't successful they 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 tend to sometimes feel like a pinball where life kind of bam 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 you know just throws them places and they really don't have a say in it what i really hated about being a loser or, or at least perceiving myself as being one is that i was always subject to like i was the subject on which the actions were were taken i was never the one taking the actions and i really wanted to change that i really wanted to be the the catalyst or the one that sparks the change rather than being the victim upon whom this happens now this just took years by the way it's not like i lost Fifteen pounds and magically became a superhero. No, it was a long, grueling process. No one's going to give you a medal for losing weight, and you know it's it's a process that I don't think they will ever stop. But I do believe that it, it's it's a more of an evolution uh, as as we go through and when we hit the next stage and the next stage. And every now and again, I would be looking back on my life, and I would be like, "Wow, I can't believe the person I used to be and the person I am today." Uh, Because as time passes and you have one small win after another, 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 these small wins, they compound. You know, there's the compound effect that I use in business a lot that basically states that if you take your process, whatever your process is, let's say, let's take your process of gaining a guest for the podcast. You've got your website, you've got... The, inter, you know, them have to submit probably, you know, having to submit a form, then you review the form, then you email back and forth, then they schedule the call, you review the call, right? So if you were getting guests for your show, the way you can double the amount of guests on the show is quite simple. Getting, you know, 10% more people visiting your site, 10% more people submitting the form, 10% more people having a chat with you, 10% more of those people booking the call with you. And as a result, this compounding of 10% here, 10% over here, 10% over here, 10% over here would actually multiply your output by a factor of two. I've seen this happen many times in my business and my clients' businesses where, you know, I'll, I would break down their process and I say, you know what? We're going to double your business, but we're going to do, do it by improving your results here, 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 and here by just 10%. Because that's it. Anyone can do it Wh- wherever you are you can get a 10% increase in, in your response, in your results, like whether it's losing weight, whether it's getting more, more potential romantic partners to respond to your Tinder message or swipe, whether it's um, getting more people booked on your show, whether it's getting more people to buy your book, whether it's uh, you know getting more consulting clients, whatever that is, you can always Im- improve your results by 10%. But if you do it at every point of your process, you will double your results. And that's, that's profound. That's compounding.
0: Yeah. I really like that visual of 10% small increase, but do it across the board and you get big results. And the thing is when you scale that and you're like, I'm gonna do 10% in these areas every year across the board, you start to see it racking up over 10 years, over 20 years. And that's how you get really big things. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I like the, the compound effect, Darren Hardy, great book. Um, even better to apply it to your life but now we're going to jump into your motivation so what really gets you up and keeps you going every day
1: you know I don't have a sexy answer for that so I'll just give you the truth um and that is and that is this I so I was born in Ukraine to a uh to a Russian family so my both my mom and dad they're Russian but my dad was serving in the military at the time Um, So he was an officer in the Red Army. So that was before the wall came down. And he got dispatched and stationed in uh, Kiev, Ukraine, near Kiev, not actual Kiev. There's actually a town. It's uh, called Bilitzirkova, which is where I was born. And uh, I was born and raised in Ukraine. And then at the age of 12, uh, my family moved to Israel because things were getting pretty bad in Ukraine, even back then. We're talking back in the 2000s. So they're pretty bad over there right now but uh, probably even worse, but back then still pretty bad. So my family had the vision uh, that things aren't going to change and they truly won't. That's just the region. And so we moved to Israel. Now I'm arriving at this, at the absolute worst age, 12 years old, to a brand new country, brand new mentality where I don't get the people, I don't speak the language. The language is actually uh, uh, backwards. So in, in, in English, in Russian and Ukrainian, you write from left to right, right? Yeah. In Hebrew, you write from right to left. Oof. Now that's that's hard enough, yeah. but then get this Hebrew does not have any vowels. So so my name is Igor, right? I G O R. Yep. So in English, that's four letters. In Hebrew, that's two letters. It's G and R, and you have to know that there's like other sounds in between. You don't actually write the the e and the o
0: that's so strange i would not it even know how to like <laughs> think about that
1: yeah it's it's basically it's very intuitive once you've practiced it uh so it's it's actually one of the more more easiest i would say languages you can learn it's much easier to learn than than english or russian for that matter uh but it's still pretty messed up because at the age of 12 my personality formed my my view of the world formed and then it just gets flipped upside down because the mentality in the Middle East which which is where Israel is it's the Middle East it's totally different from the mentality of the Eastern European communities so I couldn't adapt I had a terrible terrible time adapting and as a result I shut down I like I said I wasn't really social I found refuge in video games and overall, just it was a pretty terrible life. But it was even worse when 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 you think about how much my family struggled financially, because about six months into our presence in Israel, my dad suffers a near heart attack, goes into a double bypass and can't work for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what's actually pretty bad about that, besides him losing his breadwinning abilities, is that he also did not... He basically wasn't technically sick enough to qualify for disability. Mm, yeah. So he wasn't healthy enough to work, but he wasn't sick enough to be getting paid some kind of government assistance. Yeah, So we end up living off of handouts from friends, from my mother's uh, parents, from my grandparents, who would just throw us a bone every now and again. It was... And we start sinking deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in debt. And it's the funny thing about Israel is is that you you don't really uh, accumulate credit card debt. You just go overdraft. And the bank likes it. Because the bank knows you can't leave. And that you'll continue to try and kind of get your head above water. But you'll keep sinking and they'll have you as a customer for life. So overdraft fees any kind of transaction fee and anything else, they own you. Yeah. And my dad would uh, every now and again, would go to the bank and would get a loan to cover the overdraft. Yeah. I mean, can you, can you imagine how stupid that is? He would have to get a loan forced to get a loan from the bank to cover the overdraft in that bank. Yeah. That was the reality. He did it it six times in 10 years. So I remember what it's like to wake up in the morning and put on my uniform to go to the academy, which was actually very cheap, by the way, if you're thinking, oh, he went to the academy, must be rich. No, no, no. That was actually the cheap version of getting a good education because you were going to a military academy. Um, you were you were paying peanuts, but you will be paying with your life yeah, because they want you to serve longer than a regular Israeli because they put a lot of you know a lot of effort into you. they teach you, they train you. So as you're you know enrolling and, and uh, into the army, into the forces, they don't need to train you anymore. You're pretty much ready to go and you can take on well, virtually any position be very useful to the country. And um, Does every I remember to serve Yes, even my wife uh, served. So my wife served two years. Um, uh, so girls do two years, boys do three years. Yeah. However, if a woman gets married, she can decide not to serve. So there's a lot of women in Israel who just get married on paper and, you know, yeah. yeah. So my point being is that I remember what it's like to be poor, and I was poor, and it sucked. It sucked to for me to have had to go through all the starter jobs, to scrub plastic trays in Burger King at the Dead Sea, to clean hotel rooms, to do retail sales, which are just, I hated that more than the scrubbing dishes, honestly. And um, I remember exactly what it's like to be poor. Exactly what it's like every minute of it. And I never, ever, 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 ever want to be poor again. I don't want my kids to be poor. I don't want my friends to be poor. I don't want to go through that experience again. Yeah. It was a very valuable experience, but to screw with that, I, j- I don't want it again. So... What wakes me up in the morning is fear, sheer fear of poverty, you know, sinking back into that hole, into that slime, you know, just, it feels terrible. It's a place where I never want to be. And it doesn't matter what my bank balance is. I'll be waking up tomorrow as if I was broke.
0: Yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Fear. Fear powerful motivator and especially like if it gets the job done get you the result you want why not let it wake you up right it's honestly whether (laughs) a lot of us say it or not like you're just honest about it a lot of people are waking up based on fear and just aren't honest about it right Um, yeah
1: look it can be it can be your friend but um eventually I'm hoping to move away from that motivation because my kids, my daughter was born in Israel and my son, who's four, was born in Canada. And I look at them, they can't. They don't understand it. The way they talk about money, the way they think about money, they do not see the same mentality that I have. I have a shortage mentality about money. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I made a hundred grand this month, I'm not going to go just spend it on like a new pool. Yeah, it's just It's just against my core nature. Now, I think to an extent it's a downside because it means I'm saying no to so many things in my life. But at the same time, it's an upside because I live below my means and because I'm always prepared. Now, what will happen with my kids? I'm not sure because I see Canadians here in Canada growing up in, 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 in well-to-do families, middle-class, upper middle-class, there's still a middle-class in Canada. Maybe not for long, but there still is one. And, um, I don't see a drive. I don't see passion. I don't see grit. I don't see problem solving. I don't see the, the desire and the fire to prove yourself. I don't see Insatiable need for advancement and 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 like I don't really see that at all, yeah. And that worries me. I mean, call me conservative or, or whatever, but I worry seeing this next generation, even the, the generation that came after me, who are now like twenty five or twenty two, most of them do not have what it takes to be successful, and they're okay with it. They're okay with not striving to achieve you know i think it's a part of that it's a part of that is growing up in a in a secure safe and uh, cozy environment which was which is so different to the environment where i grew up i grew up in an environment where i had to run to school because if i didn't the the hooligans would catch me you know like they would like get my face about stuff if i had new shoes i would think twice if i want to go out because i knew that some people want to steal them for me so i remember exactly what it's like my kids have no reference to that which is great but is i mean it, it has a downside so um what i want to say about fear i kind of shifted i'm sorry
0: <laughs> is that
1: is that it can be toxic because i think because of this fear um and because it's been fueling me for so many years um i have I have put myself in a position of constant stress you know kind of like a string that's always super super tight mm-hmm. and every now and again I would break and it would come out as like a lower back pain issue or some stomach issue or some some you know eye twitch or something and I don't think that's healthy I really don't think that's healthy but unfortunately and I'll be super honest about this I can't help it I don't know how to live in any other uh, in, in any other way. I honestly don't know how to, how to wake up in the morning and create from a position of let's have some fun versus the one of survival and kind of uh, trying to chase the wolves away.
0: Yeah I get you I get you it's a hard it's a hard shift to make especially when you grew up a certain way and you've lived your life a whole other way, like changing those thought patterns, changing those beliefs. Um, and it might even be a scary thing because you're like, all the security you built has been based on fear. So to change the foundation can give you the feeling that everything will yeah. go with it. And so yeah. that can be a scary thing for sure. And I, I was liking what you are saying about being concerned about the next generation. What's that saying? It goes, easy times makes weak men, weak men uh, make hard times, hard times yeah. make strong men, strong men make easy times. Yeah, Um, yeah. so when kids grow up and they have it easy, it's very easy to make hard times because you squander your wealth and opportunity for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, cool. Now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. So tell us about your vision for your life and your company and the podcast.
1: So with my podcast, I really want to reach more people and show them they can have a lifestyle and an income. They can have the freedom and the money. Mm -hmm. They don't need to trade it um i'll tell you a quick story i remember i was at this birthday party by uh for my friend uh he's a russian guy who lives in israel and at the same party there was another guy his name is dima and um dima actually used to work for intel i am not sure if he still works for intel but in israel that's a pretty good job as an engineer working for intel you're making really good money Uh, I think in Israel, that's about 7,000 U.S. I mean, pretty good money for Israel. You can do a lot with that. Uh, At least you could back in the day. Maybe not today after they printed all that money. But Dima was basically a job guy, okay? And at the time, I already made my first million not having a job. And my reference to a job was minimum wage, starter positions, where you're being treated like dog poo uh, kind of jobs. So me and dima are having this argument about money and money mindset it's actually my, one of my most favorite topics to talk about in general the way people think about money what money means to them what do they define success uh, to be in what terms whether it includes a million dollars or doesn't whether it's about freedom or not so i'm having this conversation with him and it gets heated you know it you can tell that me and him are in different like wavelengths so he's on one and i'm on the other and he tells this, and he says the most stupid thing you can say, <laughs> but but I don't blame him for that because he's been conditioned to believe that to be true. But he says, I would rather be healthy than rich. Mm. I would rather be healthy than rich, which is the same as to say, I would rather be, I would rather have my marriage than to be rich. I would rather be a good father than to be rich, etc. It implies that you have to trade it. It yep. implies that if you choose to be rich, you can't be something else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I started laughing my ass off. <laughs> and my response to that was, why do you think you actually have to choose? Why can't you be healthy, rich, have a great marriage, have great relationship with your kids, yep. and yep. also do some activities on the side, maybe have a passion project? Why can't you be all of that? Because the more you study rich people, the more you read books about rich people, look uh, you know, uh, watch documentaries about rich people, which is something I love to do. you know, watch documentaries about just successful people, read books, the biographies about them. The more you see that they can get rich, they get rich in many different ways. Some of them get rich, get divorced, like Elon Musk, right? I admire, respect the guy he had what like four marriages he's got what 16 kids or something like the guys all over the place right but he runs so many companies and he does in a very efficient way uh, especially as we've seen with his recent purchase of twitter Yeah. and somebody says to me well look at elon musk he's a billionaire but he's divorced look at bezos he's a billionaire but he's divorced well look at 60 percent of u.s population they're mm-hmm. fucking miserable i apologize for my french <laughs> and they're divorced <laughs> Right? Now, I'll tell you more than that. My parents almost got divorced when we were going through our troubles in Israel. And one time, my dad walked into my room after another fight with my mom with the dishes, wine, and everything. Looked at me, pointed at me, and said, the only reason I'm not divorcing this bitch is because of you. Like, he actually told me, I was like 15 or 16 at the time, that he's doing me a favor not divorcing her. Mm. And you know what? I can appreciate that. But they were always fighting about money. Yep. They were always fighting about the same thing, money, 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 money. Another couple I know here in Canada actually got divorced a couple of years back because the wife became the breadwinner as opposed to the husband who used to be a breadwinner previously before, before the immigration process started. So money is, is the reason many marriages fall apart, but there's also lots of rich, healthy, successful, not divorced people. There's plenty of those. It's just they don't write about about them in the newspapers because they're boring. Exactly. If you read the book, The Millionaire Next Door, you'll find out that the average typical American rich uh, individual with 4 million net worth is an absolutely normal person who runs some kind of a shop or, or small business with a good family, with a spouse, doesn't get divorced, has two cars, boring car, not Ferraris, but like, you know, regular cars. Sends his kids to college to be a doctor or lawyer and is living this, this really boring, safe, predictable life. Yeah. So you can be rich and you can be healthy and you can be happy. It's a choice. And so the goal of what I do is to show people that that's what your life can be. And one of the primary tools that I use is the podcast to reach more people, uh, but also with our training programs where we teach people how to start online businesses that you can run from anywhere so you can create location-independent income.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. And those online businesses, are the majority of them email-focused or do you also teach the, the variety of online businesses that are out there?
1: Yeah, right now we focused on helping people uh, build email lists or do what I call e-farming, email farming, uh, where you build an asset in the form of an email list that you can rely on consistently uh, to make money. Because the thing is, if you try to build a social media following or or some other kind of following like that, you don't really own it because as we've seen, you can be turned off just like that. I mean, we've seen it done to, to so many famous people, um, but instead... If you build an email list, it's an asset you control that you can always reach. No one can take it away from you. Even if you're using some sort of an email service to send out the messages, you can always move to a different service. No one can silence you. No one can say, you know what, you're spreading misinformation, so we're going to ban you from the platform. No such thing. You own the list, therefore you own the communication uh, to to the email list, and that allows you to build a long-term online income uh, that and I think that's the big secret to longevity and success online. Everything else that I've seen and tried is just is just a fad or a trend. It's it's here today, gone tomorrow. A lot of the people who got into Amazon, where are they now? You know, they do not really making any money. A lot of people who start agencies or get into Shopify, same thing. You know, uh, this is probably one of the few things that you can do where you can consistently rely on it to not only make money, but to also continuously leverage automation in order to increase your income without increasing your work hours. Mm -hmm. Because today, compared to, say, five years ago, my income is about double what it used to be. Yep. But I don't work more hours. It's just my list doubled in size. The amount of hours I work is still the same. The amount of effort it takes me to write an email, the amount of time it takes me to load the email and have the software blasted out to a good 100,000 people, it's the same effort yep. that took me five years ago when my list was 50,000 people. It's, wow. it's the impact, right? Because the, the email list has grown. So this is a great leveraged way to make money and I think I recommend everyone to build a list. I I truly do.
0: I love that you're highlighting the power of the list too, because business, like nothing happens in a business without customers. And so it's really important to, realize that your email list is just like your customer list for a business so if a restaurant has like a thousand recurring customers that they can always count in to come in twice a week that makes the restaurant more valuable than if they didn't have those recurring customers and it's the same thing with this email list like you may be able to run an ad and do an affiliate product but if you build a list over time like a hundred thousand people and you can send out different affiliate products to that list or monetize it in the various ways I'm sure you teach um, it's a it's a big play. Like, it's just, it's a good, uh, good thing to do. So I like that a lot. And I'm curious for somebody who wanted to get into e-farming and telling them to build a list. Like the most I know about building an email list is from Russell Brunson. I took the one funnel away challenge. He was like, give something for free that they need to a target person and then ask them for their email. And that is all I know about building a list. So what would you say to people who want to start e-farming?
1: You know, I do see um, e-farming as a little bit more complex than just giving something away for free, but that's a good start. The problem with that approach is if somebody doesn't really have a product or a service that they know they can offer to people, they they really can't reverse engineer what exactly is that one thing they can offer for free. So starting with that is actually the wrong way to approach list building. The, the right way to approach list building is by first identifying what is the offer that you can promote that can make you money or the service that you can promote that can make you money or a product because that then defines everything else about your list building process which is why i put together a program on e-farming which you can check out at eFarming.com and it'll uh, tell you more it's uh 197 it's a special offer right now so you can go and, and check it out it comes with a full 30-day money-back guarantee so if you don't like it you can refund it i promise not going to chase you for it. I'm still going to sleep well at night, you know, and, and drive my Porsche, even if you refunded. So no hard feelings, <laughs> um, but that program actually walks you step-by-step step for 30 days on the entire process. All I ask you to do is give me 30 minutes every day of your undivided attention and follow my steps once a day for 30 minutes for the next 30 days. Now, of course, if you'll binge it and you execute fast, you can do it in probably 48 hours. If, if if you're taking on modafinil or some you know major espresso shots or something, you can probably do it in 24 hours. But you know, I made it so easy for anyone, even if you've got a lot of gray hair, you can still follow this process successfully and within the next 30 days, walk away with your first 1,000 person email list and actually making money from that list.
0: Mm, all that for 197 What's the regular price when it's not at the discount?
1: 997
0: Oof, that's a good discount.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> there we go. Well, what are the top ones? First, do you have any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about before we move on? You have reach people with the podcast to tell them that they can have the freedom and the money, and then some training programs teaching people to do e-farming and make money from that e-farming. Any other dreams or goals that you want to talk about?
1: Yes, I do have a goal. Um, it's more of a passion project that, i really want to get into at some point and uh, that is i want to build a school whether it's virtual or physical but a school where we focus specifically on taking kids i'm talking you know first graders and above um and and teaching them the true life fundamentals so i'm a father my daughter is 10 and i've seen her uh take part in the israeli education system and in the Canadian education system. Now, she goes to private school. But during COVID, there was a, about a one and a half year period where I homeschooled her. I built the curriculum myself. And you know what? Before I did that, she was doing some remote learning with her actual school. Again, private school, for which I was paying $1,500 a month. And I, and I would, every now and again, would come up from the basement which is i'm i'm in my basement right it's pretty spacious but it's still a basement uh so i would come up and i would be standing there for 10 minutes and watching uh over her shoulder what the heck are they learning there Mm. dude i was so pissed off yeah they weren't teaching them anything anything worthy about what life is all about or even the skill set that they will use in life besides of course reading and counting but hey How many years do you really need to teach reading and and counting? Like, come on. So I I got really upset and I developed my own curriculum. I took her off school and I, first thing I've done is I started making her, making her play games that taught her coding fundamentals. Mm. So parameters, conditions, um, you know, functions, but through gaming. There's lots of games like that. If, if you're a parent listening, look look them up. Amazing stuff. They play a game, but they learn all the right things. I'm a gamer, right? So I learned a lot through, through games. Uh, then I uh, went ahead and I leveled up and found a school called uh, Bijou's School of the Future or Bijou's Future School. Um, at the time, they used to be called White Hat Junior, which I think is a much better name, by the way. So but uh, White Hat Junior teaches kids how to code they teach kids how to code visually they teach them how to build apps how to do ai how to do space related things incredible school okay you're paying 40 or 60 dollars per lesson which is same as you would be paying for a piano lesson if you had a teacher come in and they're actually teaching your child how to code my daughter at the age of 10 has close to 200 hours of coding done she built pac-man she built all kinds of games that we used to play on uh, sega and all these other uh, things Uh, she basically coded an app that recognizes if you're in a karate stand like that or something like this Mm -hmm. like i'm not i'm not into karate but like if you're saying like this the webcam of her computer can say well you're doing it wrong so this is incorrect try again you change it like this and be like Okay, now you're good. So the app that recognizes if you're doing the, the stance right or not, um, all sorts of app, mobile apps of all kinds. Um, she she basically does what adults do after they graduate school, after they go to college, and only then they start learning things. By the time my daughter is eighteen, she's gonna kick ass. She's gonna be no coding. She'll be emotionally intelligent. <laughs> she'll have discipline. She'll be able to set goals she'll be able to chunk down a big assignment into small blocks uh i assure you she will be able to write a sales copy uh she'll know communication fundamentals she'll know how to talk to people and connect with people and i know it's going to happen because i'm putting an effort into making it happen now this is what every parent should be doing i'm not saying every kid should be a coder although everything we do today we interact with code all the time but what i'm saying The things that they teach them in school are no longer relevant. Yeah. Just think about the idea that they don't teach them anything about money, not even talking about making the money. They teach them nothing about managing the money. Kids get out of school, have no idea what the hell is a credit score. This is something they need to be teaching them at school, if that's a part of the system. But you see, the system is built to train. Idiots, literally, (laughs) literally, they want idiots to fall into the system and be cogs in the system. And I know I sound a bit like Morpheus, but that's how I feel. I now fully understand the matrix. People are just, you know, walking zombies, they have no idea what the real world is when they get out of school, they're not prepared, and I don't want that for my kids. So, my passion project would be to have a school like that that actually makes you know, produces smart children.
0: Yeah. You know, the dude who like invented the modern school system was like, I don't want to train or I don't want to raise thinkers. I want to raise workers. And so it points directly to that of like, he just wants cogs in a wheel that are doing what they're told when they're told and are dependent upon, you know, an income. So they can't go anywhere. They're in debt. So they can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. They can't think outside of survival. So. And then you help them survive, right? You induce a lot of pain and then you give them a little bit of pleasure. Yeah. That's how you control somebody. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, any other dreams or goals? So you got build a school, the training programs, the podcast.
1: There's know. one more. There's one more. Um, but I am I think I'll have to delay that one until the kids are older. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I want to live in um, in the UK either London or Manchester, so I can just go to uh, Man United games twice a week. (laughs) That's a a huge dream of mine Uh, right now. I've delayed that because we moved to Canada, so I want to get my passport first. I'm actually super close to getting it because I just did my oath uh, to the King of England and i'm going to be getting my canadian citizen certificate in the mail in the next couple of weeks and then in the next couple of months after that i can get my passport at which point i'll have to make a decision do i stay here do i move to europe do i live over two continents so that'll be a tough one to 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 make because you know in my in, in my mind living over two continents is a bit excessive yeah. So that part of me kicks in, be like, no, you're just wasting money for nothing. But then, you know, another part of me be like, dude, you've been you've been working for some time. You deserve it. You know, there's one thing you enjoy a lot is it's soccer and watching, you know, the Premier League. So you might as well live the dream. So, yeah, um, that's definitely one that, that I would really love to experience.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, usually we go through a lot more questions, but we're running kind of close to time. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you one more. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: We've been talking a little bit about this limiting belief of fear, money scarcity that just came up again with, um, the living on two continents. You said, why spend the money all that good stuff. Um, if you were to change that limiting belief into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart, what would that phrase be? And what would it cause you to do in your life?
1: It would probably be that um, money money comes in through the hole it, it it gets out or something to the extent of the more I spend, every dollar spent brings $2 back. So the idea or the belief that if I don't spend money, then more money won't come mm. versus the one that runs me right now, which is, more, you know, don't spend money because tomorrow money might stop coming in. Yeah. Um. Which is completely disconnected from reality that I've been living for the last fifteen years. Yeah. Which, but it's still, you know, old habits die hard. Self-image uh, conditioning, call it whatever you want. Uh, it's still sitting there. It still governs the thinking and the actions. So that would be the belief that I would need to instill in myself that um spending money on the joys of life and the pleasures um results in in more money coming in now what's really interesting uh first off you're absolutely right to pick up on this but what's really interesting is that i have zero zero limits zero um um i guess limiting beliefs when it comes to spending money on friends or family Mm. You know, it's really funny. Like, it's so easy for me to go and spend ten grand on a birthday gift for my best friend Dennis. Yeah. Or uh, just last year, uh, for another best friend of mine, uh, Dimitri, I got him a full day in a McLaren. So he was in Miami at the time, and I was like, okay, well, here's a here's a McLaren for a full day, just drive around Miami. And, you know, he, he loves cars. He's like a super, super fast driver. So he had a blast. You know, that's the kind of gift I would not give myself. Mm. You know, but for him, knowing that it's for him, he's going to enjoy it. I was like, yeah, awesome. Here, go for it. I, th- there was no queasiness. There was no uncomfortableness. There was no, there was no tension in my stomach. There was no buyer's remorse. It was just, okay, go for it. Uh, but for me, spending it on me, It's the complete opposite experience for now.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. It's interesting because it makes me question whether or not it's like a money scarcity issue or if it's a like the scarcity of money seems to be tied to your self-image and it's unique to that situation if it's not showing up with friends and family. Because I know a lot of people who are misers and like, I won't even buy Christmas gifts for people. But if you freely spend with for other people that you love in your life and it just doesn't It's not like that when it comes to you spending on you. Like I feel like there's a little bit more nuance than just money scarcity to it.
1: Just a thought. You might be right. Yeah. You might be right about that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, awesome. Hmm. Igor, that is all we got for you. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off?
1: Yeah, I wanted to to, uh, shamelessly plug my book. Um, that you can get either on Amazon uh, at uh, by something looking up my name Igor Kefetz or looking up the book title List Building Lifestyle, um, or you can go to igorsbook.com and get it through my website, and I'll ship you the physical version of this book for free. I'll just ask you to chip in on shipping and handling, uh, less than ten bucks, and I'll also throw in the digital version for free the Audible version, professionally narrated Audible version for free, as well as give you a bunch of courses where I show you how to build a list with templates and all kinds of goodies um, uh, worth overall about three point two thousand dollars in value, mm. okay? So the reason I'm doing that is because if you get it on Amazon, I will not have your email address. Amazon actually keeps the email address and aggressively emails you with offers. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you, you're you probably getting like 15 emails a day from Amazon, which is okay. I enjoy those, but it's my book and I want your email address. So I put together this ethical bribe, if you will. It's at igorsbook.com and you go there, get the book. I'll ship it to you, chip it on shipping and handling, but I'll also throw in a ton of really cool bonuses. And this way, me and you can start the relationship on a, on a high note.
0: I love it. He also just gave you guys a masterclass in marketing and creating a $100 million offer for Alex Formosie fans. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if you want to know how to stack bonuses in an offer, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Igor, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm about to go buy that book for the $6 and get those courses myself. So (laughs) there we go. Appreciate you coming on. Guys, thank you for watching. If you loved what Igor had to say, If you love this course, A, go buy the book. We can talk about the course. Hit me up and we'll hold each other accountable to implementing the course. Um, But yeah, buy it for a friend. All the links to do so will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you on the next one. And.